Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. So this morning, we are going to focus in on the Bible. Yes, the Bible. This is the best-selling book of all time uh, by a long shot. Guinness uh, Book of World Records estimate there is a minimum of 5 billion copies in print, uh, but probably closer to 7 billion, uh, with the Quran coming in second, um, but at around 800 million. Uh, So the Bible is definitely the most common book in print. It has done well over the last 1,500 years. Uh, But if you walked the streets in Kelowna today, uh, maybe during lunchtime, and you asked people, what comes to mind when you think about the Bible? You are going to get a variety of answers. Some people might use words like controversial. Some might say it's sacred, it's ancient. Uh, Some might say it's mythical, maybe irrelevant, a relic. Some might say it's oppressive or sexist. Others might say it's alive, that it's divine, it's God's word, or an instruction manual for life. But the very word Bible, it's going to conjure up all kinds of uh, images, and there's a variety of understandings I know even in this room. Now, as a church, C3, Revelstoke, Kelowna, and Vernon, uh, if you go to our website and you look at our statements of beliefs, you will see this. It will say on there that we believe the Bible is the word of God, living and active, and in the original writings is infallible. It's God's revelation to humanity inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is an authoritative, timeless truth and is the foundation of all Christian doctrine. So I recognize there are some complicated words in that spiel there, and not everyone's going to be familiar with them. Authoritative and doctrine, infallible. But the gist is this. The Bible is the most important physical resource we have. The Bible is what we base our faith on. This church holds this book to the highest value. There is no text superior to the Bible. But just because the statement on our website says that we believe it, just because people get up here, the people who get the microphones, uh, they speak highly of this Bible, doesn't mean that all of us as individuals, all of us as different parts of the church, know what to do with it, or how to read it, or why we should even study it. Uh, A few days ago, I was looking at a uh, resource online. It was called pewresearch.org. And there was a study done recently in the states of about 25,000 professed Christians, and it said around 45% claim to read their Bibles once a week, 12% once or twice a year, 9% several times a year, and 33% seldom or never. 33% seldom or never. And I don't know, obviously, how accurately that translates to Canada, but I would suspect it's not too far off. So why is that? Why do less than half the people who claim to be followers of Jesus read and study the Bible consistently? And is it that big of a deal, or is this, you know, is this actually problematic? But for us, the answer is yes. Resounding yes, this is problematic. Because if there is anything I can tell you 
uh, about C3 Church is that our church does not exist nor function based on the convictions of its leaders alone. Right? We believe that every single one of us here is the church, that I am the church and you are the church and together we are the church. And to be the healthy, influential community of Jesus followers that we are asked to be, we have all got to be working towards having a relationship with this book that is growing and improving and actually results in life impact. Right? Um, it's hockey season. Don't know how many of you are aware of that. I went to a hockey game with my eldest uh, two weeks ago. And I was thinking, you know, just because the captain of the hockey team makes the calls on the plays, or just because uh, maybe ultimately responsible, responsibility falls on him or he is expected to show excellence, does it mean that the rest of the team doesn't need to understand the sport? Right? The wingmen and the defensemen, they also need to know the plays. They need to know the strategy. They need to know the purpose. Because if not, if just the captain knows what's going on, even if he is the best hockey player in the world, that team is in trouble. Right? And that's us. You know, in the Bible, the church is um, often described as one body with many different parts in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. And for one body to work effectively, all the parts need nutrition, all the parts need to be communicating with the brain, all the parts need to be healthy so that the body can actually do what it needs to do. So it is super, super important that not just some of the people in our churches trust this Bible and use it and have a conviction of its worth, but that every one of us is working towards that. And so this morning, we're going to think about a few of the legitimate reasons that make it difficult for us to study the Bible. And then we're going to talk a little bit about why we need to decide to face those hindrances, to do what it takes to overcome them, and prioritize reading this book for ourselves. And this morning, I am praying uh, that the Holy Spirit will just start stirring in every one of us a passion for this book. Maybe for the first time, maybe something to be reignited. Uh, my goal this morning is not to make anyone feel guilty for not reading the Bible. How many people know that guilt is a terrible motivator? Mm -hmm. It right? kills all the joy. But I am praying that something um, would begin to come alive in us, that there would be a shift in Jesus' name, a shift that would go from having to read this book to actually wanting to. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to open a scripture, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to get in her. Uh, Luke 24, 32. Simple scripture. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he, while Jesus, talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The title for my message this morning is Second Hander is No More. Second Hander is No More. Would you join me as I pray? God, once again, I just want to acknowledge how grateful I am, how grateful we are to be able to meet together, to talk about you, to worship you. I ask God that, uh, that no moment would be wasted, that your presence would just be evident here, that you would teach us this morning, that as I preach and as I teach God, that it would be you doing the ultimate teaching, that you would take these words and make them come to life this morning as only you can do. We love you so much. Would we make you famous in the city of Kelowna in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. So how many people here, by a show of hands, grew up in church or attended church somewhat regularly? Okay, I see you, my people. I grew up in church. 
Uh, and the two things that were told to me uh, most regularly during my upbringing in church were I needed to pray and I needed to read my Bible. Thank you, participators. I appreciate that. Has anyone been told this before, that they needed to pray and read their Bible? Yes. Has anyone been told this over a thousand times? Yeah, this, this is a great encouragement. I admit it can sometimes be annoying, depending on how you're doing. That day, I have been known to roll my eyes once or twice when given this encouragement. So I see you, eye rollers, in the crowd. Uh, but to be transparent, as long as you're a part of this church, you will be encouraged to pray and to read your Bible. Um, as a child, though, this wasn't very problematic for me. I liked the advice to read my Bible. Uh, I think that was partially because my Bibles had more pictures than words in them for quite a, uh, quite a while. Very exciting G-rated Bibles. Uh, and then as I grew older, it, it's like this shift started happening where there was slightly more words than pictures. And then pretty soon the pictures just disappeared. And now all I have is like maps in the back. So that's a little bit sad. But anyway, so I didn't mind this whole reading the Bible thing. Uh, my parents uh, trusted the Bible. Uh, other adults that I respected trusted the Bible. So I didn't really have a reason not to trust the book either. Um, plus, there's some really cool stories in this book, like um, the story of Jericho, when the Israelites marched around uh, the city of their enemies and the walls came down just because they were shouting, or the story of Esther, this brave young woman who her actions saved an entire people, or Jesus multiplying food and healing people and raising the dead, and you say, hey, if you follow me, you can do this too? Like, what's not to love? But then as I got older... And matured a bit and the versions of my Bible got more complicated and less picturey. my relationship with this book got challenged uh, there was a point where I realized that after the walls of Jericho fell down it appeared that some sort of like massacre took place by the good guys uh, there was another point where I realized wait was Queen Esther part of a harem uh, where she was prepared for 12 months to have sex with the king? Wait a second. Does anyone know that it's scientifically impossible to actually take fish and bread and multiply them? Right? So I started having these questions, but I didn't vocalize them because I felt like it was forbidden to do so or that it would reveal weaknesses in my faith. And so I just sort of wrestled quietly, and my doubts grew, and I had nothing to counteract them. And that made it harder and harder to prioritize the time to study and read this book, right? My relationship with this book got complicated. How many people here feel like they've had a complicated relationship with the Bible for one reason or another? Right? What sort of things have prevented you from reading or studying this book? Right, perhaps for you, it's not so much um, that there's things in the Bible you don't like, but maybe you just don't feel like you have time to read it. Right? When I became a mom, that was the biggest challenge for me. Finding time to study this book is hard. Right, or maybe the Bible feels too confusing or too complicated to understand. Right? Anyone attempted to read the Bible from beginning to end? And you're like, Genesis, got it. Exodus, yeah, Leviticus, I'm out. No one makes it through Leviticus, right? It's hard, and parts of it seem boring, and it's confusing. Or maybe you've just thought, hey, there are literally people 
who spend their days studying this book. There are people who know Greek and Hebrew. There are online preachers who spend all their time explaining what this book says. So isn't it more efficient just to listen to them? Isn't it more efficient just to listen to what other people say the Bible says? And these reasons, and I'm sure many more, are all things that prevent us from consistently reading and studying the Bible for ourselves. Or maybe ever. And so by default, many of us continue in our faith. We continue in our Christian journey, largely relying on others' perspectives and interpretations of what is in this book. We rely on secondhand information. We rely on secondhand revelation. We rely on secondhand inspiration. And this is often enough to keep us going for a period of time, uh, particularly times in life where there isn't anything major going wrong. But the downside of not studying this Bible for ourselves, the downsides always make themselves known uh, when our worlds feel shaken, feel shaken, when it feels like the world is falling apart, when wars break out, when grocery prices go up, when children make terrible decisions, when we feel scared or lost. It's during these times that we need our convictions of the Bible to be based on more than just second-hand information. Yeah. We turn to Matthew 7:27. Uh, This is a parable or a story Jesus was teaching with. And he said this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. This this passage is a metaphor of building our lives on God's word, on his truth. It's the rock. It is a steady, strong, stable foundation. But for his word and for his truth to be that strong, stabilizing force in our lives, We have to know that it is truth for ourselves. Somebody else's conviction of truth will never be strong enough or secure enough to get us through tough times. I think that you could look at the uh, sand in this parable as second-hand information. Perhaps you could look at the sand as human interpretations or opinions of what truth is. Sand could even be likened to cultural perspectives of truth. So one of the main reasons that we need to read the Bible for ourselves is so we can distinguish between lasting truth and temporary understandings of what truth is. After being alive for 35 years now on this planet, I have lived long enough to see the evolution of cultural truth in many different areas and how it changes uh, in circumstances. For example, I remember when eating three meals a day was the way to go. And then I remember when it was eight small meals a day, and now it appears to be to only eat within a six-hour window or time frame. I'm not sure what the latest update is. But I, um, I found another few truths, cultural truths in the realm of health in just the last century. Could we get that first photo up? Awesome. 
For a better start in life, start Coca-Cola earlier. How soon is too soon? All right, next. Cocaine toothache drops. Price cents, uh, 15 cents. Yeah, that is really good. Good resale value. Um, yep, fat. Oh, yes, you can banish fat with sanitized tapeworms. Probably worked. I mean, hey. Is there, is there one more? I think there's one more. Yep. Motor doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. <laughs> Those are cultural understandings of truth. They were. That was the understanding of what was true. But they didn't stand the test of time. And we can find examples like this in education, how we raise our kids, um, even cultural understanding of morality and ethics. So if we make these... Um, these temporary understandings of truth or these cultural truths, if these are what guide our decisions, if these are what influence how we think, it's like building our lives on sand. Right? Nothing created outside of God's word is guaranteed to provide a solid foundation for our lives. Right? But when we read the Bible. When we know our Bibles, it helps us in our daily, individualized situations distinguish rock from sand. It helps us distinguish between cultural understandings of how things work, cultural definitions of right and wrong, and what ultimate lasting truth is. See, truth can be found outside of the Bible, for sure. Truth can be found outside of Scripture, but it is scripture that determines what is true. Right? Truth may be found outside of scripture, but it's scripture that determines what are true. So what I mean is there are things in the Bible that are true, like, for instance, gravity. We're pretty, we're pretty set on that for a while. But the idea is that during our lives, we are going to be receiving information from social media, from the news, from our friends, from books. And what we do is we take that information and we take it to the word of God. And that's how we determine if it stands. Right, so what's an example? In our culture right now, uh, there, is, uh, there is an overall understanding that each individual has worth and value. No matter your uh, gender or uh, your social status, that you deserve to live and be treated with basic human respect. So we take that cultural truth and we take it to the Bible and we're like, hey, yeah, you know what? That stands. Every, every single one of us is intended and created in God's image. Okay, that's great. Awesome. Uh, what next? Oh, truth is um, that sex is a great pastime. And if you want to have as much sex as possible, that's a great idea. Find your fit, you know, what the kind of, what's going on there. Like, okay, all right, sex, pastime, just an activity. Good, have as much sex as possible. Great, come to the Bible. Uh, yeah, you should have as much sex as possible, but with one person. Okay, all right, so that didn't stand the test of time. Do you see what I'm saying here? Is that we take these things that are presented to us, and we bring it to the Word of God to determine if it stands, to determine if it's worth letting it influence our lives. Yes. And that includes things coming from the church. That includes things coming from our leaders, our preachers, from me. Right? The Bible is clear that we, uh, when we are taught something, or especially when we're given a prophecy, that we are to test it. In First. Thessalonians 5, 2, it says, test all things and hold fast to what is good. And to do that, to test what is being said, we must take this book and read it and study it for ourselves. Because when we do, we will begin to gain uh, authority 
from our personal ownership of what the Bible says. And that will stabilize us. And that will direct our lives and our decisions, even when the people around you are shaken and lost and confused. Right? When the rain comes down and, and the streams rise and the winds blow, this word will be your solid foundation. Secondhand information is not enough to keep you stable during the ups and downs, but personal conviction and knowledge of God's truth will. Okay, next. Don't worry, there's only 17 points. Joking, three. There's three points. Another reason we need to prioritize studying for ourselves is because this book is essential for you to know God personally. In fact, um, I would propose that the overall purpose of this book, the purpose of the Bible, is so we can know our God. So we can know him. So we can behold him. Behold is a word you will see in the Bible and might hear at church. And it's a way of saying that in a way you can see God. And it is vital that you know God for yourself. Not that you just know people who know God, but that you know God. When you are starting a relationship with a friend or maybe a romantic uh, relationship, you are not going to get to know them simply by listening to what other people say about them. Before I married Josiah, before I met Josiah, uh, people told me things about him. Uh -oh. They said, I know. <laughs> they said he was smart. They said he loves Jesus. They said he'd made some questionable decisions. But they said he would make a good dad, that he was a pastor's kid. Right? These, were, these were helpful things, and they directed some of my questions, and they directed some of my thinking and the next steps. But I did not base my decision on marrying the guy on what other people said about him, right? Even if they were right, even if the things they said were super insightful, I needed to know for myself. And as people who have committed to following Jesus all our lives, right, the ultimate commitment, we need to know him and develop our relationship with him. And to do that, we've got to crack this Bible open for ourselves. John 1, 1 to 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Uh, and then a few verses later in verse 14, in the same chapter, it says, The Word became human and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. But you can't separate who Jesus is from the Word. Now, I admit there was a time not that long ago uh, when I was watching The Chosen more than reading the Bible. Now, I am a big Chosen fan. I recommend it to all of you uh, because it helped me view some of these stories differently. It triggered my imagination. I, it ultimately pushed me towards this book. Uh, but it ha should never have become a replacement for it. And when you come to church on Sundays and you listen to our teachings about God's words, we don't want uh, our teaching to be a substitute for your personal study and devotional time. But our prayer is when you come on Sundays, when you hear things that are taught, that it will intrigue you, that it will propel you to the word yourself, but never be a substitute for it. Right? Because I can't get to know God on your behalf. Pastor Dave can't get to know God on our behalf. And it's important that we don't rely solely on secondhand information from what others say about him because ultimately no one else 
is responsible for your relationship with Jesus, for your relationship with God. Uh, King David, he wrote a song, and uh, I'm just going to read one of the lyrics from it, Psalm 119, 97 to 104. Oh, how I love all you have revealed. I reverently ponder it all the day long. Your commands give me an edge on my enemies. They never become obsolete. I've become even smarter than my teachers since I've pondered and absorbed your counsel. I've become wiser than the wise old sages simply by doing what you tell me. I watch my step, avoiding the ditches and ruts of evil so I can spend all my time keeping your word. I never make detours from the route you laid out. You gave me such good directions. Your words are so choice, so tasty. I prefer them to the best home cooking. With your instruction, I understand life. David's a big fan, it appears. Now, was David actually smarter than all his teachers? I don't know. I personally think that's a bit of a cocky thing to say. But when I look at this and I see I can see that David understood that although his teachers gave him valuable information, they cannot replace his personal revelation of who God is and what God's commands are. Right? The Bible, it is a gift. It is a gift to the world, it is a gift to the church, and it is a gift to you and me individually. Right? This book is a gift from God to you so that you can know him. And as we read and reread this book, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal more and more. We have such an amazing God because we have a God who loves to speak to us, not just the people who look spiritual around us. He loves to speak to us. And one of the ways that he speaks to us is through the word of God. Right? So this book is essential for us to be able to know God personally. And my third reason this morning as to why it is vital that we don't live off of secondhand information is this. The Bible, together with uh, community and prayer, is our primary tool for spiritual growth. This is how we feed ourselves spiritually. The Apostle Paul, who didn't even have all the readings we have, because he was yet to finish writing them, he understood this. He said this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. I think that Paul would agree that the single best investment into your personal growth, to your growth as a Christian, is studying this book. And I have specifically tried to use the word study, not just read, because we can read this book and get through it without ever experiencing life change. But when we study it, when we start to understand it, that is when transformation takes place. Listen, we, we are always being conformed or transformed or molded into something no matter what we do. That is the nature of our humanity. So either we are in this Bible consistently and it is conforming you and transforming you into the image of Christ, or by default, you will get conformed or transformed to the world or the culture that you are in. But we are always feeding on something. We eat breakfast every day because we need food. We need nutrition and energy to function. And spiritually and mentally and emotionally, We want to be intentional people 
about what we are feeding ourselves daily. We don't just want to consume what is being handed to us by default. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God transforms us and he grows us through his word, which again is why reading is not just the goal, but studying to understand it. Right? Just knowing what the scripture says is not enough to grow spiritually. The devil knew scripture verses and tried to deceive Jesus with them. Right? The Pharisees and their religious leaders, they had all scripture memorized and they tried to trap Jesus all the time. Just kind of funny because they kept throwing scripture at Jesus and he's like, okay, thank you. I also know what it says. I am the son of God. And there was one time when an expert of the law, he was asking a question about eternal life in Luke 10. And Jesus responded to the Pharisee. He said, what is written in the law? So what, what is written in the scripture? And then right after he asked that, Jesus said, and how do you read it? So it's not just about what is written, but how are you reading it? One of the seemingly favorite expressions of Jesus is he who has ears, let him hear. And at the time, most people would have uh, learned scripture by listening to priests read it. They didn't read it for themselves. So he who has ears, let him hear. So maybe if Jesus was here today in our context, he'd say, he who has eyes, let him read or something like that. But I think the point that Jesus is making is that it's not just reading. It's not just taking in the information but actually understanding its intention, about thinking about it and studying it until it brings us life. Right? In that opening scripture, Luke 24, 32, uh, the scripture is after the disciples were, they were talking about a time when they were with Jesus, after Jesus had arisen from the dead, and they didn't recognize Jesus, but they were talking about scriptures, and it was kind of after the fact that they realized they were hanging out with Jesus the whole time, and that's when they said, were our hearts not burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Opened scriptures they had already known, but suddenly they were opened. Right? For the Bible to grow us, to teach us, to correct us, to equip us, to train us, like 2 Timothy talked about. It's not just about reading the words, but having their intended meaning open to us. There is nothing wrong with this Bible. In its original form, we believe it is perfect. But when us humans, when we interpret, interpret, <laughs> that is like a combo of interpret and speculate, if anyone was wondering. <laughs> when we interpret or we speculate or interpret what this means, there is always a risk that our human filters have gotten in the way and that the conclusions we reach maybe weren't what God intended. Right? So how do we take this incredible uh, ancient book written thousands of years ago by a variety of people in a totally different time, culture, and context and apply it to our unique individual situations? It's really by thoughtful, intentional, personal study and by asking the Holy Spirit to teach you and to open up the scriptures to you as you study. I think most of us, many of us, have had complicated relationships with this book and 
how you view and work through the Bible, it'll probably always be messy to some degree. I would think we are all going to wrestle with it. And you know what? You have permission to do so. That's okay. Right? What's important is that we don't remain content living off of secondhand information, secondhand inspiration, secondhand revelations, but that we engage in this book for ourselves so that we can first and foremost know the God that we serve, so we can build our lives on lasting, stable truth, and so we can grow spiritually and become the people that God created us to be. Right, second-handers no more. Can we all say that? Second-handers no more? Awesome. Amazing. Now, before we close, um, instead of bringing the Holy Spirit piano up, I actually just want to give you a couple of practical resources uh, to leave you with to help you on your own personal study. The first one was recommended by Pastor Dave himself. Um, Pastor Dave, not me, recommended this, so it's definitely worth, worth reading. It's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee. Uh, when I got this recommendation from Pastor Dave, I ordered myself a copy right away on Amazon, but then I ordered two. So I was just wondering if anyone would like this book. Yeah, I'm doing a giveaway. This is happening. Would anyone like this book on how to read the Bible for all sorts? I'd also like you to actually read it if I'm giving it to you. Anyone? Whoa, yeah. Okay, Uli, it's yours. It's fine. Good job, Uli. Uh, second, um, one of my favorite resources is thebibleproject.com or the, or the Bible Project app. This is a really good resource uh, for those of you who learn visually. Um, I have really found their little teachings on books and their context and where they're from and who they're written to really helpful to get a visual understanding of it. Um, and another resource I often use, now this one is not as user-friendly. This is for you keeners out there. Uh, blueletterbible.org. You want to know what a word is in Greek? This website's got your back. You want timelines? Do you want geographical maps? Yep. Blue Letter Bible, not this book. I don't know why I lifted it up. It felt, it felt natural. Um, so those are some resources uh, for you. Um, you know, I'm just going to pray for you one more time. If you are, if you want to agree with me, if you do want that passion within you to be triggered again, uh, to love and study and have this book revealed to you, just join me in prayer. Maybe lift your hands. And we're just going to ask that God can do what only he can do. So God, thank you again for this book that you have uh, somehow put together to get to us, God. I ask, God, that we would not take it for granted. We would not take for granted this resource you have given us, this, this way to get to know you, God. And I ask, God, that as a church, as your people, that you would reignite our love for this book, that you would open our eyes to understand what it says, what it means, and that this book would begin um, empowering your people to do what you have asked them to do. Bless every person here. Bless their families. Bless their relationships with you and their weeks as they go out from here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.